Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. It's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. NHL action, Maple Leafs leading the Sabres 2-1 in the third. Also in the third, Panthers up 3-0 on the Islanders. Hurricanes leading the Senators 3-1. In the second period, Washington leads the Rangers 4-1, and Montreal is up 3-2 on Detroit. Also second period, Coyotes 1, Lightning nothing. So no points to this point for Kucherov. First period, Chicago 1, San Jose 1. Avalanche and Golden Knights still to come. The Flames will take on the Kings. A regulation loss officially eliminates the Flames from playoff contention. Edmonton will be playing in Calgary on Saturday. Oilers and Blue Jackets tomorrow. 5.30 face-off show here on 6.30. Ched, game at 7. Hey, I could start telling you this. Our first Edmonton Eskimos broadcast, Sunday, May 27th, preseason game at home against Saskatchewan, 1.30 pregame show, and then it'll be kickoff at 3. Morley and Dave already getting hyped for the new season. Reed Wilkins with you on Inside Sports, and I'm pleased to welcome the president and CEO of your Edmonton Eskimos, Len Rose, to the show. Hey, Len, good to hear from you. How are you doing? Likewise, great. I, I love listening about uh, your chat with your fa- listeners on Connor McDavid. I don't know if you remember... I used to work for CCM, and Connor plays with all their equipment, and my daughter works at CCM in Montreal. So we talk more about Connor McDavid from Montreal to Edmonton than you may think. Well, that's nice. Yeah, well, he's he's one of those guys a lot of companies wanted to make sure they had him on board at a young age, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, but in that business, it's, it's all about the equipment they wear. So they'll do the endorsements if they're comfortable in the skates and the sticks, and he's using their uh, what they call the jet speed skates. And uh, from all the you know accounts and witnesses, they're working. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, he's uh, well. I, that, that's the cool thing, right? We had uh, we had Mike Riley win MOP last year, and we had Connor McDavid win the Hart Trophy. So we had our oh, two amazing. teams holding down the highest individual awards uh, that they could. We're, we're debating if uh, Connor is going to repeat. I know Mike is focusing on repeating and getting to the Grey Cup. Len, before we get into some of that stuff, I, I got to ask you. Uh, about your health, because you've been very uh, candid here with uh, with prostate cancer, and I know you recently wrote a blog on the Eskimos website about sort of the, uh, it was posted about 10 days ago, about sort of one year in. For people who mm-hmm. haven't seen that, uh, give us kind of the Cole's notes about where you're at and how you're doing. Yeah, uh, well, you know, it was about a year and three weeks ago that I was uh, I underwent surgery for prostate cancer. And it was uh, just after the 2016 Great Cup. I came back, got test results, and uh, Jesus, got shocked that I actually had prostate cancer in my body. And uh, so made a few decisions, uh, spent a few days getting very nervous about the situation. But then I educated myself and 
fabulous people that I reached out to who uh, were very supportive. And um, I had surgery in March of 2017, and just a bit later than a year now, things uh, were headed in the right direction. I had uh, an operation called brachytherapy, and unlike most traditional radiation where you go in maybe each day, five days a week for a number of weeks, uh, this is uh, internal radiation, so they implanted literally 76 seeds, radioactive seeds in my prostate that are going to be radioactive until the end of this October because they're alive for about 20 months. They'll stay in my body forever, and the idea is that they focus and burn those darn tumors. And uh, a year after the operation, my latest uh, test results were in a, in a great direction, which is a huge load off my shoulders, but I use this to try to help others because um, if I had not gone for a routine medical, I would never have known that I had cancer, and perhaps it would have been too late or at a later stage by the time I would have known about it. So my learning through this is always use your experience to help others. Is got diagnosed because of a routine medical, did something about it immediately, had the surgery, followed the advice of the experts, the doctors, and we are so lucky here in Edmonton to have the Cross Cancer Institute. What a phenomenal place. Now, you obviously don't want to go there unless you have to, but if you do have to, it's nice to know that we have one of the best medical institutions dealing with uh, patients and cancer right here in our own backyard. Yeah, well, well said, Len, and, and appreciate the update. And I, I know you being candid about it has uh, has helped a lot of other people as well, and uh, you've been able to... to relate or people have been able to relate to you and, and talk to you so good for you for doing that len rhodes joining us on inside sports president and ceo of your edmonton eskimos sounds like uh it was uh, it was quite the uh the good time the productive time in winnipeg for cfl week uh last uh last week for a few days i know i talked to mike as he was flying out there to winnipeg yeah give give people the the nuts and bolts of of, of what goes on there len because we see a lot of the stories and everything coming out of it but what's the whole scene and vibe like yeah it was actually a phenomenal experience so a year ago something called cfl week was launched and it took place in regina saskatchewan and uh in its first year it really was met with a lot of success and you know you can put a lot of things football related in regina and you know that if it's not going to work there it's never going to work anywhere but it did go over quite well this year year two it was in winnipeg and yeah, it started off uh, with the Wednesday night when the, the Hall of Fame gala took place, and Mike Riley was uh, there to uh, to witness and to watch uh, the uh, recipient, Hank Alisic, and our own Baron Miles, uh, being two that are inducted into the uh, CFL or Football Hall of Fame. And, you know, i got to tell you, when I'm talking to the other presidents of the other teams, they all tell me, no word of a lie, is how lucky we are to have Mike Riley. He's the statesman. He's a consummate professional, and a lot of fans see him on the field. But uh, off the field, he's so consistent and mature beyond his years, and he's just the ultimate guy that any team would want. So we got a lot of compliments on that. I had never met Hank Alistic in person, and he lives in uh, Ontario now, just uh, north, I think, around the Barrie area, north of Toronto. And uh, it was really a pleasure to meet him because in those days, I was living in eastern Canada, and I, you know, even though... Uh, I was pulling for other teams where I was growing up at that point in time. Everyone respected uh, Hank Holistic's leg. Oh, my God, he was incredible. And then Baron Miles is the recipient. And I learned something that he's the second uh, highest, uh, most uh, interceptions of the year with 66, second all-time. 
And I said, that's phenomenal. He said, and how, would, how did that work, Baron? How did you do that? You must have some vision and you can anticipate some of the throws. And he said, the coaches let me play. And I said, do you apply that to the players that play under you these days? Because I sure do. So in other words, if a player has skills, don't try to turn them into something else. So that was just Wednesday. Then there's uh, we had management meetings uh, with all the presidents across the league, uh, along with the uh, CFL executives. And uh, the football operations groups had rules committee meetings. And uh, then ultimately for the fans, you have this fan fest that took place at their conference center. And then there's a media um, uh, car wash, they call, so that when our players are there, and we had six of our own players there this week or last week, and they have all the shoots that they go through for photography, videos that TSN uses, that the teams can use. So you had Daryl Walker there, Aaron Grimes, Lamondo Sewell, C.J. Gable, and then uh, Mike Riley. So that everyone is pumped and everyone feels privileged that they're a part of that. So while teams have five or six players, it's aspirational and they all want to be there. So I came out of there really feeling good about that. Now, I went in there wanting to host it here in Edmonton next year. I came out of there saying... We've got to host it in Edmonton next year. So I felt somewhat like a lobbyist uh, and a broken record every time I was with the commissioner or the um, the event people there. I just kept telling them that uh, we would serve it very well in Edmonton because we know that our fans uh, love the game and they'll support uh, things like that when it comes to CFL Week. And I believe that next year being year three, we should continue to grow it. And if we want to continue to grow it based on the first two years of success, Edmonton's the prime territory to do so. So, uh, and I, I'm often guilty of doing this. So, you'll tell me if I'm getting ahead of myself. Is if Edmonton got this next March, is this a Commonwealth Stadium hosted venue? Would it have to be at the Shaw or some kind of more convention type facility like that? Well, you're not ahead of yourself. Actually, uh, last December, I brought some of the CFL uh, uh, staff in so that we could do site tours, and we went to the U of A. We went to see some of their facilities because uh, maybe uh, Combine could have a few of the uh, events there. And, of course, we'd be tapping into a, a, a young demographic, which would be great. And um, we went to uh, Shaw. We went to Northlands, the Expo Center, and, uh, of course, our own field house. So the, uh, the trick in the balance is going to be to try to concentrate as many things together as possible. And if they're not all in one area, then at least uh, make sure that they're along an LRT route. Uh, but there's so much. And if you look at CFL Week as, as it is today, we have a few ideas that we'd like to take it to the next level, including bringing the spirit of Edmonton for a, a breakfast and maybe a, a party at night, including a sports and a medicine conference that our team doctors would love to be a part of, uh, get more involved with the kids' club, uh, have something for the young kids. And, uh, with everything that we're doing with amateur football and flag football, we'd love to have tournaments. What's going on in our own backyard here in Edmonton compared to what's going on across the country, and mainly because of the funding of 50-50, we have so many kids signing up for flag football these days at the novice league level and then also in the junior public high school system. And uh, everyone's talking about that across the country, so we want to showcase it. Len Rhodes joining us on Inside Sports, president and CEO of your Edmonton Eskimos. Okay, so that's potentially CFL week for next year. We know that Edmonton is uh, going to have the Grey Cup here on Sunday, November 25th. I, I know for a lot of people that, that seems like a long way away, but I know sometimes people will say, well, wait a minute, uh, you know, what's going on with tickets and all that kind of stuff. Well, Len, what is going on with Grey Cup tickets if people are already trying to snare some or, or snap up? Can, can you get them yet? Do you got to wait a little while? What's going on? 
Well, the answer is yes and no. Yes, you can get your Grey Cup tickets right now if you're a season seat holder. And so far, our season seat holders are really stepping up and um, pretty well. Uh, all of them are buying their Grey Cup tickets, and they have the ability to double up. So if you have a season seat uh, for our games this year, and let's say you have two of them, then you can buy up to four for the Grey Cup. And the prices are priced reasonable compared to how they've been priced in recent years. We want to make sure that it was closer to what we did in 2010, not to what's been going on in some other cities uh, lately. So it's priced between $99 and $325. And uh, so far, so great in terms of the tickets. The next phase will be at late April. We're going to allow season seat holders from across other uh, CFL markets to also do a pre-buy. Okay. But first and foremost, it's our own season seat holders. Other season seat holders in late April. And then on June 1st, Reed, we go open to the public. We're going to uh, open it up. But in 2010, it was June 1st when we went public, and it, it sold out in six days. So if you want to buy your season seats now to get your Grey Cup tickets, that's the best bet. After that, we're not sure how things are going to go. But so far, so great. And then there's the other component, sponsors and the corporate side in Edmonton are really stepping up. We've already surpassed our full budget in terms of the companies that are signing up, and we're going to announce more at the beginning of May. Uh, we've already got some contracts in place for some of the additional announcements. So everywhere we go, uh, even though it's a bit tough in the economy and some people are still struggling, there's still a positive vibe. It's something to look forward to. And uh, you know, Reed, that Edmonton's going to make everyone proud. And when Randy Ambrosi came in, and we briefed him on what's uh, going on in terms of the plan, uh, he was really impressed. So we told him, Randy, if you're going to lose sleep at night, don't lose sleep over the Great Cup in Edmonton because we've got that one covered. Yeah, I, I think people are going to rally around that one too. Has, has there been a bump in season ticket sales because of the Great Cup, Len? Yeah, and same point in time. So it's always a bit difficult to know where things are going to end. But where we are today compared to the same point last year, we're about five percentage points ahead. So that's pretty good. So that really results in about 500 more season seats than we had at this time last year. But it is difficult to project where we're going to be when uh, we start playing uh, in the summer. But uh, so far, so great. So it has been an incentive for some people who may wait till later in the year to buy season seats or maybe just buy single game tickets. It seems to have been working. And ultimately, uh, we all know um, the uh, well, we have a beautiful stadium. It's a lovely place when it's full of people. It's not so much fun when there's not so many people. So uh, the more, the merrier, and people attract more people. Yeah, right on. Well, Len, I, I know you're working hard here to, to keep everything rolling towards the Grey Cup, and we're getting into the season. Uh, thanks for enlightening us on CFL Week. I, again, getting ahead of myself. It would be great to have it here next year. And most importantly, I'm glad to hear that you're in good health and good spirits, and you're welcome on the show anytime. Thank you very much, Reed. Have a great evening. That is Len Rhodes checking in, president and CEO of the Edmonton Eskimos. So there you go, all those people asking me about Grey Cup tickets. If uh, you're an Eskimos season seat holder, you can get them now. If you hold season tickets to another team, uh, you can get them in late April. Though if you're listening in Edmonton, you probably aren't a Ottawa Red Blacks season seat holder. There, I worked in a Red Blacks, Kellen. And uh, June 1st, they will go on sale to the public. Sold out in six days in 2010. So probably will sell out quicker than that this time around. It is 7.20. It's Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. You can text 6.30, 6.30. 
going to get uh, back to the text line because uh, the McDavid conversation has been drawing uh, a few of you to use your fingers to send me a message with your phone. Jamie Thomas is going to check in from Winnipeg as well. The Jets looking very good. Inside Sports on Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. You can text 630-630. Troy says, uh, hey, Reed, Hart Trophy goes to the player most valuable to his team. Aren't we really talking about how many points an individual player is responsible for earning his team? Isn't that why the playoffs are really what these guys are talking about? Because that player has got them that many extra points to make it into the playoffs. If that's the case, I would argue that McDavid has earned his team more points than anybody else in the running, even though, sadly, the Oilers are not a playoff team. That is a text from Troy. Sean says, Reed, with or without McDavid, the Oilers miss the playoffs. Without Hall or McKinnon, do the Devils or Avs make the playoffs? Not likely. They boast good stats, and they are literally why their teams make the playoffs if you want to make the playoffs argument. That is from Sean. Text line to 630-630. SAS Predator says, that's quite a handle, SAS Predator. Does that stand for something dirty that I've just said that I shouldn't have said, Kellen? Maybe I'm it not does. sure. I don't know. Who knows? I could have just said the most awful thing in the world. It's the internet. Stuff changes by the second. So uh, He says McDavid is outplaying the best players in the league. He has played his heart out again and again and always tries to play his best, even when ill. If that doesn't show heart, I don't know what does. He is the MVP of the league. Some text to 630-630 about Connor McDavid about the Hart Trophy race. By the way, McDavid, your first star of the week in the NHL, 10 points in five games. He's taken over the scoring lead. The Oilers update for Niskew Ford, every model on sale every day. The Oilers did not practice today. Niskew Ford above expectations. They will have the morning skate tomorrow. They will play the Columbus Blue Jackets. Six games left in the regular season. Home tomorrow, then a three-game homestand, then two more at home. Also got some feedback, uh, a couple of the messages during the day and a couple of texts during the show about overtime last night. Darren says, hey, Reed, when the, did the Ducks become chickens? <laughs> the uh, strategy of circling back. They weren't circling back at center ice. They were circling back in their own end, trying to tire out McDavid or Dreisaitl or get them to change out of boredom. Obviously, that didn't happen. They wound up scoring anyway. Uh, another uh, texter says, Reed, not a basketball fan, but the NHL needs to adapt. Put in a shot clock in overtime. Lacrosse has it. Why can't hockey have it? Well, I don't think the NHL would do that. That would be a pretty radical rule change. We'll see, though. Maybe if teams keep circling back in their own end over and over again, maybe there'll be a rule change. Winnipeg Jets are looking very good. Jamie Thomas covers them. He's going to check in after the 7.30 news. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad. All right, in the NHL tonight, Coyotes up 2-0 on the Lightning. That's early in the third period. 
early second period. Chicago leads San Jose 2-1. In the third, Montreal up 3-2 on Detroit, and the Capitals lead the Rangers 4-1. Carolina has beaten Ottawa 4-1. Late in the third, Panthers closing in on a big win. They lead the Islanders 3-0. And Buffalo, a couple of goals in the third period. Jack Eichel scoring in the first and the third to get up to 24 on the season. The Sabres upset the Maple Leafs 3 Two Western Hockey League playoff action. Swift Current out to a 2-0 lead in Regina. Six minutes left in the first period. That's the only game in the dub tonight. That series is tied 1-1. Talking about three-on-three overtime before the break, how Anaheim really delayed and circled and circled before finally beating Edmonton last night. Jamie says, Reed, how about an over and back rule in overtime? Once you gain a zone, you can't retreat. Well, that would be interesting. And uh, this anonymous texture says, Reed, you have the worst yuck yuck laugh ever. You sound like a yokel from the Ozarks. Tame it down, please. Well, that's not accurate at all. I'm actually a yokel from Evansburg. Inside Sports on 630 Chat, our old buddy Jamie Thomas joins us. Hey, Jamie. What's up, that guy's butt? Holy cow, you have a great laugh. Well, thanks, JB. That's sweet of you to say. <laughs> Holy cow. It's actually my real laugh, so I don't know. It's like saying, ah. it's like saying, hey, get rid of your, pull all your teeth. Stop having fun. Like, don't, <laughs> don't ever laugh. Exactly right. Just exactly think about right. about the end every day. That's just the best way to do it, I guess. That's all right. Hey, you got to, hey, that's all right. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. That's okay. No. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets must be the uh, the cup of tea, the talk of the town, the toast of Winnipeg right now, eh? Absolutely, yeah. I think it's uh, it's a long time coming. Just think, uh, think of the Anaheim Ducks. That was the team that knocked the Jets out in four straight games uh, three years ago in 2015 uh, when the Jets made the playoffs for the first time since coming back to Winnipeg. And, uh, I mean, the whiteout was crazy then, so I can only imagine what it's going to be like uh, in a couple of weeks' time when the Jets, uh, what looks like going to open up on home ice uh, for the first two games of the Stanley Cup playoffs in 2018. And you really have to be happy for the likes of Blake Wheeler, uh, Brian Little, Tyler Myers, uh, Dustin Bufflin, Toby Enstrom, the guys that have been here through, uh, you know, from the beginning, outside of Tyler Myers, I should say, those four guys that have been here since, uh, through thick and thin. It's the very beginning part when the team came back here from Atlanta, and uh, you know, it's, I'm happiest for them because uh, they've been through a lot of a lot of hard times. I guess is the best way to put it. And uh, Kevin Chevalier off and Paul Maurice have been very patient uh, building this team and not listening to what everybody else was saying. It's just like they, the guys have got here, they've arrived, and now it's uh, time to do some damage when whenever it is the playoff start for them. Tell me a little bit about the game last night. And look, it was game 75, so it's yeah. at an important time of year, but there's still a lot of work to do. But who they beat, the Nashville Predators, and how they yeah. were able to do it coming from behind, give me the sense of the significance of that one. Well, well the one thing, Reed, I guess if you looked at it in the first period, the Jets uh, had been very dominant five-on-five, five, and they got themselves in a little bit of penalty problems in the first period. Uh, they took four minor penalties. Were down two nothing by this by the end of the first period, and then afterwards they really took over five on five. And they had dominated uh, Anaheim the previous game, and they, before that they had dominated Los Angeles Kings five on five. So when the Jets are um, five on five, they're a very deadly hockey team. They climbed back into it. They were down three one, uh, fought all the way back to make it three three. Then they were down four three, tied it up in the in the third period, and then went uh, through overtime. Both teams hit a post, and then off to the shootout. And uh, Mark Scheifele was the only one to score. 
Connor Hellebuck was perfect. And I guess it's just in some ways, you know, uh, Connor Hellebuck's really been the story for the Jets this year. Wasn't supposed to be the number one net minder from the beginning part of the year with Steve Mason's job. Uh, he's really ran with it since uh, early October, since that first game in Edmonton, actually, um, where Nick Aguilar scored the uh, the uh, natural hat trick against the Oilers. And, uh, he's really been the story. And then for them to beat uh, Nashville, a team they're trailing now only by five points for first place in the center division, was a, a very big win for them considering how they had to fight back consistently throughout the night. Tell me a little bit about. I'll pu- I'll put it to you. I'll, I'll put it to you this way, Jamie, yeah. because we've been talking about the Hart Trophy tonight. But I yeah. know when I asked Kelly Rudy, you know he's a regular on my show, that question a couple weeks ago. One of the first names he threw out was Blake Wheeler. So tell yeah. me not just about Blake Wheeler's season, yeah, but also about recently what happened with a teammate at, at, at practice. There's kind of a big picture and small picture question. There. Yeah. Uh, you know what? What really brought Blake Wheeler into the conversation for uh, for the hard trophy was when Mark Shifley got hurt against the Oilers uh, back on December 29th uh, in Winnipeg, and uh, Shifley went on to miss 16 games. So Wheeler went into Paul Maurice's office and said, "I'll do anything. I'll play center." And Paul Maurice listened. He put, he, you know what? He played up the middle side, a position he played in college, and then a little bit when he first came to the National Hockey League with the Boston Bruins, played great there. Uh, really kept the Jets alive. I think the Jets only lost three games in regulation without Shifley, which says a lot about how deep this hockey team is. And then afterwards, uh, you're you're going back to a, a practice they had the other day on Saturday, a quiet day uh, during a power play um, during a power play drill. Uh, things got a little bit heated. Wheeler fired a puck at Ben Sherratt, a defenseman uh, for the Jets, and uh, Sherratt went at him. And they talked for a little bit, then things cooled down, and then Wheeler dropped the gloves and went after Sherrod again. Uh, when things cooled down, uh, head coach Paul Maurice uh, sent Wheeler to the showers, I guess in some ways to put it, but it, it, you know what, man, we, how many times have we seen guys fight in practice over the years? Uh, it was it was over quickly. Uh, Wheeler said right afterwards, they hugged it out in the dressing room, and you know what, I guess the best way to describe it, and Wheeler did a good job of it, was uh, these guys are like your brothers. You're with them every single day, and I, I don't know, Reed, if you have a brother, but I remember fighting with my brother quite often. So they hang out with you. They get on your nerves. That's what happens when things are so intense in practice. Uh, it was over with, and the Jets went on and moved on without it and uh, beat, the, beat the Predators yesterday and, and clinched their first playoff, uh, their second playoff worth in four years uh, here in Winnipeg. Jamie Thomas from Winnipeg Jets TV joining us on Inside Sports. Like you mentioned, the Jets are going back to the playoffs likely against the Minnesota. Now, well, yeah, I mean, Probably, it looks like a Minnesota probably game. Minnesota in the in the first round. So we'll yeah. probably have you on again the week going into the playoffs. But can you handicap that matchup? Uh, give us a, a preliminary scouting report, I guess, on Jets Wild. Here, here, here's the best thing, the best way to look at the Jets dominated the first three meetings, and but that, there was a lot of Minnesota had a lot, a ton of injuries going on early on. Uh, the Jets bet him again right before the player break uh, back in January. Uh, Minnesota won that game, but the Jets were on that. They had been on a three-game road trip. They had played in Chicago the night before. We know how tough it is to win on the road on the second game of a back-to-back. Uh, they lost to Minnesota that game. Uh, the, here's the best way to look at it. And Jets or Oilers fans are very familiar with Devin Dubnik. If Dubnik's on, it, it's going to be a, a long, tough series. But if he's if he's not on, I, this is where the Jets could uh, could have this one. Uh, the, the biggest thing, though, for them is they've been dominant on home ice. They've been dominant five on five. So uh, the best way to look at it is if, if Devin Dubnik's on, it, it's going to be a difficult series. If it's not, if he's not, uh, it could be over in four and five. That's the best way to look at it. And there's another chance the Jets could play Colorado. 
They could play St. Louis, but in the meantime, right now, it looks like they have home ice in that opening round series against Minnesota, and uh, it, it should be a good one. A close series. Uh, they're very close to one another. Maybe this is the beginning of a rivalry between the two teams because they're so close uh, geographically. But uh, I, I'm looking forward to it if that's the case. What is the injury situation with the Jets right now, Jamie? Uh, their number one defenseman, Jacob Truba, uh, recently he suffered a concussion against, uh, ran into Jamie Ban, the human mountain, uh, in the game, uh, after two games after he returned from a lower body injury, uh, he has just been cleared for contact. Uh, head coach Palmer said that Truba is, they're going to hold him out longer than he would like to, but I guess it's the best way to do it because there's no reason for anybody to come back earlier than possible. Uh, Toby Enstrom, another, another one of their top six defensemen, is going to be hold out, held out for the rest of the regular season. He should be good to go for the start of the playoffs. Other than that, man, the, the Jets are fairly healthy and, and ready to go uh, for the start of the postseason. I would touch wood if I was a member of the Jets, if I was a player or anything, that a coaching staff, but uh, let's, let's hope nothing else happens to them uh, in the next seven games they have in front of them. Matt Hendricks. Didn't yeah. play much for the Oilers down the stretch, but I, but I know a lot of fans are wondering how he might have helped the attitude of a oh young team last year. Tell us about that in Winnipeg, and I know he's been injured too. Yeah, he. You know, the, the best way to describe Matt Hendricks is, of course, Matt here is a big part of the military. Uh, um, he has a, thing, a group called Hendricks Heroes, where they welcome a couple members of the military here from Winnipeg. Uh, I, I believe every five or six games. Uh, but the players have been wearing Hendricks Heroes hat, uh, kind of to pay tribute to Matt Hendricks. I, I'm sorry that I did forgot to mention him. He has a lower body injury. He's out six to eight weeks. We're not quite sure where that fits in, if it's just going a longer run. But, man, he, I, I'm sure other fans remember him. That, he is that guy. Like he's, he's always talking. He holds people accountable. He'll yell at the Wheelers. He'll yell at the Bufflins uh, if they're not uh, playing great or they're a little bit off in practice. Um just that common influence in the dressing room. He's positive all the time. He's always telling people how lucky they are to play in the National Hockey League, which everybody is. So uh, he's severely missed at this point. Uh, I'm sure he'll be around for the playoffs like he was uh, with the Edmonton owners last year. But uh, it's too bad, of course, that he had to suffer that injury because he's just that guy. He's very physical. He's that perfect player for the postseason. I'm sure Paul Maurice would have had him in the lineup night after night, no matter what. Uh, the case was no matter how deep the Jets are up the middle, but uh, he's going to be severely missed on the ice for the Winnipeg Jets when the playoffs start. All right, Jamie, one more for you. Bit of a hypothetical. Neither you nor I vote for the season-ending awards, yeah. and uh, this is it is an interesting topic in Edmonton. I wish it was coupled with the team going to the playoffs, but it would be automatic if it was. Well, right. Would would you yeah. vote for a uh, a guy from a non-playoff team for the Hart Trophy? Uh, if, if Connor McDavid, this is the best way to put it. I said this in CTME earlier today. If he wins the scoring title by 20 points, it would be the easiest choice I would ever make in my entire life. It's so obvious that he is the best player in the National Hockey League, but I, I think he's in top right now if Nathan McKinnon gets in the playoffs. And this is no slight to Connor McDavid. He's going to win a ton of hard trophies, but as of this moment, he would not have my vote. All right. Jamie, thanks for checking in. Fun times in Winnipeg. I think they might be Canada's choice outside of Southern Ontario, given how that team is perceived from coast to coast. Thanks for checking in, buddy. Anytime, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. That is Jamie Thomas now with Winnipeg Jets TV. Always love having him on the show, and that is uh, quite a team he's covering this season. And he mentioned Connor Hellbuck, and that's been a big part of the turnaround for the Jets. Last season, the Oilers and the Jets were separated by one goal when it came to goals scored. 
but the Oilers had a, a top 10 save percentage and the Jets had a bottom 10 save percentage. Well, now that is flipped around and Winnipeg looking very, very good. Second in the Central Division, 46 wins, 102 points, uh, very likely to finish second. I mean, that'd be, uh, it'd have to, Nashville would have to do really poorly down the stretch for the Jets to take over first, but Winnipeg has won five in a row, including a win over the Preds last night. It is 7.47, quick timeout, Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6.30, Chet. Preseason baseball in Montreal tonight. Bottom of the eighth, St. Louis Cardinals leading the Toronto Blue Jays 5-2. Here's Sekra. Back to McDavid. Up top is Raddies. Interior pass. One-timer score. Ethan Bear, his first NHL goal. It was a good play. It was this back door, and... You know, you just you know when you get a chance like that, you want to bear down and make sure it goes in. And um, you know, it's it's, uh, it's a play I'm gonna remember for the rest of my life for sure. Happy for him to to get his first goal. Um, he's had a few good looks like that, and it's finally gone in for him. So. Um, big night for him, something he'll always remember. Good moment last night for Ethan Bear. Got that power play goal to put the Oilers up on the Ducks with just over seven minutes to go. So close to being the game winner, but Anaheim tied it and then beat the Oilers in overtime. 5-4 was your final. Oilers will close out their three-game homestand tomorrow against the Columbus Blue Jackets. 5.30 face-off show here on 6.30, Ched. The game will start at 7. Of course, Anaheim winning that game. Uh, they were the only team to uh, control the puck. The Oilers never got it. Hampus Lindholm wind up got, uh, got the winner. Obviously, overtime is about possession. And uh, like if you can tire them out, then we got a good change there. And uh, I think that's how we need to play. And uh, we haven't really been that successful in overtime before. And I think a lot of goals scored but against us has been that we've been taking chances offensively. And you get punished pretty quick against quick teams like this. Yeah, they just hung onto the puck. I, I've not seen a team do that to the extent where they were circling back in their own end and behind their own net and changing and just waiting and waiting before finally going. Big Al texting into 630-630. He says, the circle back last night was coaching genius. Let's face it. Hey, Big Al, I, I can't argue with that. And I, 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 under, I understand why, especially Oilers fans and I'm sure most of you are, and that's the the large majority of people I talk to throughout the day. I can understand why you're unhappy about it, because you kept the puck away from McDavid and Dreisaitl, and then your team wound up losing the game. But from a Ducks perspective, I, you know, I'm sure their fans are thinking, that's brilliant. Just keep it as far away from the other team as possible. Eventually attack later in the shift. Try to get a good matchup with a, with a fast guy against a forward on D, even though it's, it's good forwards defending with McDavid and Dreisaitl, and, and see if you can pop one in. I, I know Bruce Arthur, Rob and I talked about this last night. Bruce Arthur, who's a, a national sports columnist, was really mad about it calling it a disgrace and saying, well, now coaches have figured out a way to ruin three-on-three. It has changed over the three years. The the first few three-on-threes, you know, teams just went. They they, kind of played a five-on-five style with fewer players on the ice, and there were a lot of shots going wide, two-on-ones the other way, and there still is that. There's still a lot of pace to overtime, but now you've seen the possession really kick in. And, And look, when it comes to the circling back, McDavid and Dreisaitl do that all the time. They're more often doing it when they're in the offensive zone, don't like what they see, so they skate back out to center and then start the attack over again. But the the Oilers have done it. Most teams do it in three-on-three. Anaheim did it in a different zone yesterday. 
and they did. I, I mean, if, if you're in the offensive zone and then you circle back, at least there was the threat of a shot or an attack. When you're circling back in your own end, you're, you're not close to the other team's net, so it tends to look a little frustrating. I know we had a texter write in saying that they should have a rule that once you gain a zone, you, you can't take the puck, sort of like an over and back in, in basketball. Once you were to, say, gain center or gain the offensive zone, you, you can't circle back with the puck. That would probably create a few more turnovers, maybe uh, maybe a few shots that are lower percentage, and maybe that, uh, that would get things going. But the, Bruce Arthur's right. When it comes to coaches, especially in the NHL, they're always going to find a way to be <laughs> more conservative and to keep the scoring chances down as, as opposed to finding the way to increase the pace of the game and, and, and increase scoring chances. It worked for Anaheim. You got to give them credit for that. So, quick note here from the CFL. John Ojo, former uh, really good cornerback for the Edmonton Eskimos, he uh, didn't play in 2016 because he tore his Achilles. He was trying out for the New York Jets last year. He has signed with, guess who? The Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The Big L says, Reed, the Ducks are masters of gamesmanship. Well, they are that. Given the way they play and how they uh, try to push it to the limit. I was saying to Rob last night, they have a lot of guys, they dare the refs to call penalties. They dare you, They dare the other team to take a swipe at them, see what's going to happen, see what we can get away with. Final look at the NHL scoreboard. Buffalo beats Toronto 3-2. Panthers shut out the Islanders 3-zip. Hurricanes down the Senators 4-1. In the third period, Washington up 4-2 on the Rangers. Canadians up 3-2 on Detroit. Coyotes are leading the Lightning 3-0. How about that? In the second period, Chicago is up 2-1 on San Jose. Still to come, Avalanche and the Golden Knights and the Flames and the Kings. Western Hockey League after the first period. Swift Current with a 2-0 lead in Regina. Oilers prospect goaltender Stuart Skinner in goal for the Broncos. That series is tied 1-1. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. Our guests tonight, Jamie Thomas, Len Rhodes, Jennifer Jones, and Jody Shelley. Nice list. 5.30 tomorrow, face-off show, game at 7, Oilers and Blue Jackets. Connor McDavid, the NHL's first star of the week. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.